Let's open our Bibles and look chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And the title, I believe it is Heavenly... Well, that's not the title. The title is here inside. Heavenly Taste. And we are going to talk about a parable that Jesus Christ uh, mentioned in a meeting, in a banquet, in a house of a Pharisee. And we're not going to talk about the first part of the story, but only this part of the story. This is happening in a Pharisee's house when everybody is talking about eating, when everybody is talking that where you are going to be sitting at the table and all that kind of stuff. And then someone brings out the question or mention a question, verse number 15, that says like this. 15, chapter 14. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast. In the kingdom of God. The feast of the kingdom of God. I don't know how many of you uh, went to a feast. Or some place that they really have lots of food and entertainment and all of that. And by the way, uh, the word fiesta, as you know, comes from that word, feast. And comes from, you know, it's the same root and all of that. So when you talk about fiesta, Mexican fiesta, believe me. It's a different thing that you know. When you go to Mexico and you have a fiesta, means lots of everything. Lots of food, lots of music, lots of people, definitely. If it's one banquet or one fiesta that I remember, one feast that I remember, is the day that I got married. And I can only tell you that that day, you know, among everything else that you remember, I remember seeing during the feast... At the end of the ceremony, during the feast, during the meal, I remember seeing more people eating at the tables than at the church. I remember seeing maybe around 150, 200 people at the church and about 350 people at the tables, everyone eating. And I remember having this big feast that my father-in-law put together with my, with my family and all of that, bringing lots of food and, yes, mariachi music. Lots of Mexican music. That was a really big feast for me. I saw people that I never seen before. I don't even, you know, when I watch the video that we have it right now, and the video camera is moving and moving and moving, we are all the time with my wife saying, who is that? And who is that? Do you know them? Do you not know? I don't know. Who, whatever, whoever they are, they were sitting there eating at this huge big feast. Well, here this person is saying, you know, blessed is the person who is going to be at that feast, at that feast, in the kingdom of God. Very interesting because this person is mentioning that, knowing, knowing because they believe this, knowing that when the Messiah was supposed to be coming to save the Jews, to take the Jews and just bring all of them together, they were supposed to be having a feast to celebrate that they are being saved. So he's talking about that feast. But then right after that, Jesus starts saying the story. Verse number 16. Jesus replied, A man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Let's just start talking about that verse a little bit. If you read Matthew chapter 22, it's very much the same story, but it has a lot of different um, some other things in that story and many other things that are similar to this story. 
We are going to talk only about Luke. This story right here. It says, a man. We don't know the name. We don't know who is that man. We believe, as some other people believe, is someone who is probably a king. But we know that this man has probably lots of money. He's very well. I mean, he's well. I mean, he does, he does have money and maybe big houses and big properties. And we are going to find out when we keep reading the story. The same verse also says that he was preparing a great banquet. It's not just a regular meal. It's not a dinner. It's not a banquet, which is a little bit more food than when we have a dinner. But it's a great banquet. And when you read this passage, and you start a little bit about that, that passage, when the Bible talks about great banquets, usually it talks great because you are going to have lots of people, and it's going to be not only lots of food, but something else is going to be prepared for the guests who are going to be part of that banquet. So this is a great banquet. Huge. When I'm usually by myself during the week, let's say, and I have to go to some place to eat. I like to go to uh, sometimes to the all-you-can-eat places. And Dave went with me once, to, you know. And they usually, the all-you-can-eat places are Chinese places. You don't find, like, Mexican all-you-can-eat. I wish they had something like that. They never had something like that. Peruvian all-you-can-eat, they don't have that. I remember one, but they closed. I guess Peruvians eat too much and they brought the restaurant, you know. But they have these Chinese all-you-can-eat places. And when I go to those places, if it's something that you are going to see, there is lots of people who are there because they pay less money, but they eat a lot. That's like saying a great banquet. You have lots of things. If you, if you go to, the, to, to get it in this Chinese place, I saw fried bananas. I don't know if they eat fried, fried bananas in, in China. They do eat fried bananas in China. Oh, they do then. Okay, they have fried bananas, and when they fry, but they're sweet and so good, you know. They, when they eat the fried the fry bananas, and then suddenly comes another guy, and it's funny because it's a Chinese restaurant, but you see a Mexican cook coming with the food and just putting the extra fried bananas there, and everybody goes again to the fried bananas. Lots of food. That's something that we like. This is a great banquet with lots of food for lots of people. But then the Bible, that, that verse, not only saying that it's a man, who, don't, who knows what man, and it's a great banquet, but also says that he invited many guests. Many. So when he was preparing, before he was preparing the banquet, he sent his servants inviting many other guests. And the only thing that we can really reason around that verse is that these guests were people who know this person. Now, they were a lot. He did know a lot of people. So he sent the servants and said, you know what? I have an invitation for you. Oh, what were you? oh a banquet. Thank you very much. He sent the servant to invite lots of people, lots of guests. Now, the guests that we are talking right now you probably guess if he's rich, he's going to be inviting rich people. If he's a king, he's going to be inviting noble people who are, you know, to his level. But if we keep reading the story, we are going to find out that many of these people not necessarily are to his level. I keep reading verse number 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. 
If it was one thing that they used to do in those days, according to, to many passages that you read, is that when they have a great banquet, they send two invitations. The first one is before the banquet for you to know exactly what's going on. And the second one is the same day that the banquet was, was, was happening. And this is what's happening right now. At the day of the banquet, this man sent his servant again back to the same people that they were invited to tell them, today is happening, at this time, give, I mean, be ready, be there. But then the story doesn't end there. Because after the servant goes for the second time, if he went the first time, I want you to remember this, if he went the first time to invite him, nobody says, no, I'm not going to be there according to the story. But when the second time the servant goes there to invite him, then we have in verse 18 some answers. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. That was the first excuse that this person is giving. You know what? Thank you for the invitation. I received the first one. And I probably say yes to the first invitation. But now that I'm receiving the second invitation, you know what? I can't make it. And I can't make it because I just bought a field. I bought a big property. And you know what? Because I bought a big property, you have to realize that this is my investment. I have to go and check that property to see if I can really get some money out of that investment. The first person had a problem with the wealth. He was a wealthy person. He was someone who probably was investing in different properties. And when the moment came, he said, you know what? I don't have time for that. Now, let me see my investments first. Then the second one, verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. You know what? I have bought some animals that I need to work my field. And I just bought them, so I need to go and check it. It's like saying, I just bought my new truck, and I'm working on construction. I need to go and check, go back to the dealer, check if the truck works really good before I go to your wedding. Because that's my tool that I'm going to be using to work every day. This person was probably really, really into working. Maybe was a workaholic that he didn't really care that much. So this person was probably really into working so much that he needs to find out first about the tools that he's going to be using to work on the field. Now the third excuse is very interesting. And I'm telling you this one by one and all of that because at the end I'm going to bring you to one situation. Verse number 20. Still another said, I just got married so I can come. Now, is that a great excuse or what? Which one of the three excuses is probably the best, I'm going to ask you. Is the excuse of, I just bought a land and I have to go and see it. I just bought some animals and I have to go and, and, and see how they work. Or, I just got married, uh, I can't go. Which one is the best excuse for you? And so I see 
you smiling a little bit, but it's very, the last one is a great excuse, isn't it? The last one best, is the best. You know, to tell the truth, I'm going to tell you, the last one is even probably a biblical excuse for them. That's a biblical excuse. If you go to uh, Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, just, just, just go there with me, just, just for fun, you know. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. Verse 5. It's very interesting. It says like this. If a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Isn't that the best biblical excuse that this guy gave? He probably was in better position to say, I cannot go to the banquet because I'm just married. Husband, how do you like that? You just get wives. Sorry, honey, you have to stay here in the house with me for a whole year. No work or nothing. You men never thought about that, huh? That's a tough one, huh? For some of you, probably. And the Bible says to make your wife happy. Whatever she wants you to do, you are going to do. <laughs> David's like, oh. That's only for a year. Many of you have more than one year already married. Don't worry. But the very interesting thing is that he is giving a real, I mean, a good excuse or a good reason why he is staying home. Very interesting. Why am I saying all of this? Why am I reading all of this kind of like maybe fast going one after one after one after one? You know, you have to remember these this uh, parable is given, this story is given to people like you and me. First of all, these people are Jews. They know God. They know God very well. You and I, we know God, and we know God very well. Sometimes pastors use this passage to say, you know, how faithful you who don't know anything about God or Jesus Christ, how faithful you are to put the worldly things or the, or, of God first. But this message, this parable is really for you and me. We are people who know about God very well. We are people who know and have, and I'm going to tell you this, Seventh-day Adventists, because I am a Seventh-day Adventist, these are people who they already have received the first invitation. Now that makes things different. You see, he already sent the first invitation, and we all have said, yes, I'm going to go there. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with you. I accept the Sabbath. I do this thing. I have received the first invitation, and I'm ready to go. But still, there is another invitation to come for you and me. And that's the one that matters. When you read this passage and their culture, when you deny the second invitation, it's like declaring war to some family. When she sends the first invitation to my family, and I said, yes, I'm going to be there, but then she sends the second one, and I said, sorry, I'm busy, that's like saying, she could say, so you want to fight. Back and forth, you want to fight. My family is going to fight against you, and it's possible. If you read, even the story in Matthew says that the king, because they use a king, 
the king goes and destroys the city. Because that's declaring war. That's like saying, I don't care about you. Brothers and sisters, we have received the first invitation. And the second one is coming. And the question is, what is going to be our reason why not to go to this great, big, huge, awesome banquet? It's going to be, I need to make money. It's going to be, I need to work so much first. It's going to be my family. You know, the last, the last excuse or the last reason, even that I could say, you know, it's a biblical reason, you know what Jesus says about you and me. You leave everything behind. You leave your family. Because no one becomes to be more important than him in your life. What is going to be our reason? I can only imagine this third guy, you know, when I was reading this, this, this passage, I, was, I can only imagine this guy maybe, you know, just being married and, and, the, and the servant knocking at the door and he opening and then he said, you know, the food is ready, the banquet is today, and he's turning to the wife. So what do you think? And the other one, no, we're not going to go. Okay, we can't go. I don't know. I, I was thinking that first. But really, at the end, it's not what she's going to say. It's what he was supposed to be answering and it's what you and I are supposed to be answering to the Lord. Now, when I read it like that, that hits home, hits my heart. Because I need to know, and I need to realize, that yes, I have decided to follow Jesus, as the song says, but it's not only that. We still have one more answer to give, and it's the last one that you and I have to decide. The Bible and the story keeps saying, verse 21, that the servant came back and reported this to to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the, lame, and the lame. We have someone who, if we believe, is representing this story to God. If we believe, is representing to the only one that has called us before. He's getting angry, but he's not getting angry, and he's going to make you disappear. He's getting angry. But then that anger changes his mind to the point that he said, the ones that I love, the ones that I know, because remember I told you before, the guests were probably people that he knew, and you know him, and I know him. If these people that he knows say no and visit for you, he's going to turn his back to you and me, and he's going to go to the places that you and me don't want to go, to the places that you and me think God is probably going to come here and look for people. He's going to go and look for the poor. He's going to go and look for the blind, that they can't even get it. They can't even get it. What's going on in front of their eyes? He's going to go to the lame, to the ones that usually live in the streets. Who are those, is my question. If I want to bring this story to our days... 
I want to tell you that those people who live on the streets are the ones that usually we call and said, that's the world, and we are the church. And that's a tough one. Because if I am there ready for that banquet, if I already said, Lord, here I am. I want to be there in that banquet. I want to eat with you. I want to be part of that feast. I can still, I can still, at the last minute, be pushed out of the banquet because I haven't made my decision at the end. Brothers and sisters, don't think we have it all figured out. Don't think that what you and I know, we already have it and we are fine. We still have to answer one more time. God keeps working with you and me. And if we don't answer, he's going to look for someone else. The beauty of this story is that when I keep reading this verse, after the, 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 the master gets angry and he sends his servant to look for the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Verse 22 says this. Sir, the servant said, what you, are, what you order has been done, but there is still room. I love that. What you have ordered to go out there and look for people has been done. But we have still room in the place. And for you and me, that's good, isn't it? There is still room in the heavens that he's preparing for us. There is still room for you and me. There is still room for your family. There is still room for your friends. There is still room for your boss, your co-workers. There is still room for your enemies. There is still room for all of those who are going to respond to the invitation. Some churches think that it's only 144,000 who are going to be saved, and they work so hard. I don't know how this verse is going to match with them, because there is still room. There is still room that after he brings everybody else together from the outside because we maybe don't listen, is still room for you and me. There is still room for you and me to maybe at last minute change our mind. The Bible says, according to the story, that after the servant says that, verse 23, then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Now he's saying, if in this town that where, where, where I live and I prepare the meal, if in this town where I call my friends to come and they never show up, if in this town... You already went and called all the crippled, all the poor, everybody else. And even so, I still have room in my house. I want you to go out of this town and get more people. Go outside of this town. Go outside of Orange. Go outside of Orange County. Go outside. There is still people. And not only invite them. Practically, he's saying, force them to come. Tell them. You know, eagerly, go, come. We have food. We have place for, a place for you and your family. Come. There is a place in the house of the Lord. 
24. I tell you, no one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. No one of them that I invited will get a taste of my banquet. You know how sometimes when you drive, when you are really hungry, I don't know if this happened to you. Maybe I'm the only one who gets hungry. I don't know. But when you get hungry and you're driving and you stop by, you, you stop by a, store, a store to buy something and then comes this smell of good food. And you just, and sometimes, you know, you know that even that you don't need meat, I don't need meat and all of it. You know, you go there and you smell like, smells good. Because you're hungry. That's kind of like having that taste that I want to go there. But none of these people are going to have even the pleasure to smell or have just a little bit of that banquet because they haven't answered to the invitation. And that invitation is for you and me, member of this church. That invitation are for, is for those who know the truth and they say that we have the truth. That invitation is for those who they absolutely know Jesus Christ or they know God. That invitation is for me. I don't want to be out of that banquet, especially that, believe me, when you study about heaven more and more, when you study about banquets, how heaven, you are going to have a banquet. When you study that, that the Bible says that is so much happiness on, the, on, on, on heaven when only one soul repents. When you study all of that, I get really disappointed with what I believe sometimes. Because in heaven, every time you hear banquet, every time you hear, every time you hear happiness, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I don't know with what you can compare that, but the only thing I can compare is with my Hispanic background. That when we do something, it is a big deal sometimes. When we win a soccer game, it is a big deal. When you have a great, uh, a great uh, wedding with lots of food, it is a big deal. Is it a big deal for you? To know that he is preparing a banquet for you? Or you're still thinking that it's going to be boring after? Or you're still thinking that you can probably be safe and everybody else is going to stay behind because they don't deserve to? I don't know. What is the big deal? What is going to impress you if it's not food in this place, in this time, with this story? It's just amazing how he uses the story. What is going to impress you? He wants you to not forget the promise and the decision that you have made to the Lord. You have been invited. And we can call that maybe to say you have been baptized before. And you know what to do. What else is there that you are missing? Is your work? Is the money that you want to make? Is the family? What else is there? I hope that we all get together at this feast because I want to see you there. And I'm working hard to try to be there. 
and I'm not perfect. But I'm working that way. Because I want to be there with my Lord. I want to be there with him. Let's sing. We have a song, right? And the name is, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So maybe this is a great moment to do that. This is maybe the best time to do that. To turn our eyes upon Jesus. More than ever. Please stand with me and sing hymn number 290. one minute. Don't put your hymnals. Just don't move. I know the part that we probably know best is the, the last part. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I want you to sing that again with me. Let's sing it with some more passion. What do you think? Can we do that? The last part. Only the last part. 
That's the intro. No, no, not yet. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Who And what? Strong. And the things of earth will grow strangely in the light of his glory. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at this moment, O oh Lord. Help us to start realizing that you are preparing a place for us and you are preparing a banquet for us. Help us to start realizing that heaven is going to be a place where you are going to be delight for us to be there. And you are making the invitations. And you already sent invitations to many of us. And we have answered yes. Help us to get excited about that invitation. Help us to leave that invitation. Help us to realize that still I can probably lose my place and my chair chair in that table. Help us to know that still have to give my answer to you, my final answer. Help us, O Lord, to realize that you love us so much that you want us to be there. That's why you invite us first. Oh, Lord, at this moment, I want to ask you for you to bless this church. And as we leave this place, help us to leave this place knowing that something is being prepared for us. And help us to send the message to others that something is being prepared for them also. Thank you, Lord, because you love us so much. Thank you for a beautiful day, Sabbath. And thank you for Jesus Christ who came to die on the cross for each one of us. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.